like to see how we're all practicing for Christmas Eve already. All of the Catholics who are here every weekend, we sit towards the back and we leave the front rows open for all those people who only show up on Christmas and Easter. And then that way we can judge them much easier. So, I'm kidding, but you can't, anyway. I also, as I was reading the gospel, this is a complete paramedic thought, so if it doesn't land, no worries. But I love how they describe Elizabeth in her old age, and I'm like, are we saying that the way they talk about geriatric pregnancies? A geriatric pregnancy is anything over the age of 35 right now, right? So that's a geriatric. So I'm wondering if they were just like applying that lot. She was so old, she was 37, right? Like, is that how old Elizabeth? No, she was much, much older, but that's how my brain works. Anyway, <laughs> Advent, um, I don't know for you, but for me, it seemed extremely short this year. We had Thanksgiving, and then some of us blinked, and now we're already at the fourth Sunday of Advent, so also Christmas Eve. That's fun. And it seems like the time has just gone so fast in between Thanksgiving and now Christmas. It was easy to get through almost, because you just turned around, and the decorations changed, and we were ready for another holiday. But what if it didn't end so quickly? What if it just started to go on and on and on and we couldn't see the end in sight? How many weeks would it take for us before we stopped caring about Advent? Would you still care about Advent if it took 40 years, let's say? Would you care if it was hundreds of years that you were waiting? Because by the time Jesus came, it had been thousands of years since the prophets had started telling the people to start looking for their Messiah. They were always in a stage of perpetual waiting, it seemed, which is what caused them to abandon the Lord and his promises time and time again. But each time, the Lord would make a new covenant with his people, and he would welcome them back into right relationship with him, often by first correcting their improper worship. And finally, in the fullness of time, he decided to send his only begotten son so that we, I'm sorry, so that he would become the new and never-ending, everlasting covenant between us and the Father. This is what we mean when we say he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding for us. He sits as the perpetual and never-ending bond between us and the Father through the sacrifice of his blood on the cross. But how were the people supposed to know who Jesus was or who the Messiah was? It had been thousands of years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even David, the ancient king. So how would the people know? This is the idea that our readings deal with this weekend. We have certain context clues in the first reading that are highlighted by the gospel so that the people reading it or hearing it would be confirmed in their evidence based on the congruency of the scriptures that Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah. In the first reading, the prophet Nathan foretells the coming of Jesus as the Messiah. The prophet says this first, that the Messiah, who will be king, must come from the only tribe the kings were allowed to be from. The Messiah would have to be of the same tribe as King David, so that they would both have been from the tribe of Judah. 
You may remember one of the titles for Jesus is as the Lion of Judah. That is because the lion is thought of as always being the king of the jungle, and the kings of Israel always had to come from Judah. Next, Nathan prophesies that the Messiah would be so connected to God that they would be like father and son. He says that the descendants of David will be, I'm sorry, the descendant of David will be this son of God. But the problem is that David is only a man. So that means that someone, the descendant of David, would somehow have to be both son of man and somehow son of God to fulfill the words of Nathan the prophet. The words of prophecy are fulfilled in every way by Jesus, for he is both fully God and fully man. Luke, I'm sorry, Luke in his gospel reaffirms the prophecy from Nathan and shows that Jesus has indeed come as the fulfillment of prophecy because he is from the line of the house of David. The title the angel gives for Jesus as he describes his coming to Mary is that of son of the most high. So Luke is again affirming the words of the prophet Nathan in that the Messiah will be the son of God. Luke was the only gospel writer that was worried about the origins of Christ. No other gospel has an early life account of Jesus. But Luke wanted to show the continuity between the writing of the Jewish scripture and prophecy and the current age brought about by the advent of Jesus into the world. He wanted everyone who knew of the prophecies about the Messiah to see clearly from his testimony called the gospel that this was indeed the one whom they had been waiting for. They had found him, and he did all things well. Maybe you can hear the testimony of the gospel, and this is enough evidence for you. Maybe you have the evidence of how the Lord has been personally effective in your own life. Either way, we should recognize in Christ who he is. He is the long-awaited Messiah, he is the Son of the Most High. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Eternal Covenant. He is who he said he was, the Son of God, who sits at the right hand of the Father to beg mercy through his own sacrifice as priest and victim, to beg mercy for us, also that we can be with him forever in heaven. Brothers and sisters, the Lord loves us deeply, enough to leave heaven and to wrap himself in the humility of our flesh, enough to die in that flesh a horrible death. He loves us enough to conquer death and to rise again from the grave, and he continues to love us by asking for our goodness from the Father constantly. Brothers and sisters, come, let us adore him.